Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. It's a uh, game day, and I'm your host Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, how excited are you for game day today? I can't wait. Finally, some real NFL football, regular season football starters playing the whole game. It doesn't get much better than this. It hasn't really. Like I, like it hasn't even sunk in just yet. Like, and I probably won't till like. Right before kickoff, when you like, when I see players like Cam Newton and starting players on the field, <laughs> right? For Absolutely. Football. And this should be a pretty good game tonight, too. I mean, I, you know, sometimes the season opener is kind of a turd, but I mean, and I know probably the excitement level over Trevor Simeon isn't as high as maybe it would have been if this were Peyton Manning starting the game, but. The Broncos, uh, you know, they're the defending Super Bowl champion. They still have Von Miller. They still have a pretty good team. And the Panthers might actually be better than they were last year. They really might. Uh, You you know, you you talk about them starting some rookie cornerbacks, and that's always uh, a concern. But then, again, they're going to be going against Trevor Simeon. So maybe it's not much of a concern tonight. (laughs) But everywhere else, you know, they retain pretty much everybody else. Um, that you know, they still got Luke Keekley in the middle, and, and Thomas Davis lined up right beside yeah. him. They still got those horses in the middle, uh, Kawan Short and, and Lantalele. And uh, look, we we could talk all day about the offense and Cam Newton and, and Kelvin Benjamin coming back. Yeah. So uh, there's just there's a lot of reasons to believe that that this Panthers team, especially by the end of the season, might be even stronger than the team that they took to the to to. Uh, the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, so I think so. It's uh, certainly going to be an exciting matchup tonight. I think so, too. And they're really, I mean, I, I was just look, thinking about this earlier this week, and, <clears throat> I, you know, I did the power rankings. I'm in, like, power rankings, whatever. It's just kind of, uh, it's a pretty subjective thing. But the thing that really stood out to me on that was, like, how top-heavy the NFC is. Because you got the Panthers, you got the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Packers who I think are really sort of like head and shoulders above every other team in the conference. Now, I might have to change that tune in a month, but we'll see. But, I mean, I think for right now, I might have put the Vikings in there too before the Bridgewater injury. Right, and and that's what I was going to say. You had another team until the Bridgewater injury, and now we're not really sure. They still have a pretty good team. Everywhere except quarterback, but we know just how important <laughs> it is to have that, you know, that signal caller be a strong part of your team as well. So, um, but you're right. It, it, you know, when you, when you get past those teams, there seems to be a lot of parity and not necessarily a lot of strong parity. Yeah. Who even knows who's going to be the, the number two team and say the NFC South, any of those teams could be the number two yeah. team. Any of, any of those teams could be in last place, to be yeah. quite honest with you. And I'm talking about if they stay healthy the whole year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there's not uh, a whole lot of, of competition within the division except for, you know, the NFC West now. It seems yeah. that uh, the NFC East, is again, is probably going to be a free-for-all, but not for the, the – the kind of reasons you want it to be is not because they're all <laughs> strong. It's because they're all, you know, probably going to be somewhere around mediocre. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, that is interesting, but you never know. That, that's on paper and that's from what we've seen so far, but things always can change in a regular season. You just have to kind of play it out. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and all it takes, too, is one, you know, you never know what you're going to get on the field till the season starts. And then all it takes, too, is, I mean, like we saw with the, we mentioned the Vikings, but, you know, one fucking wrong move and, you, you, you know, you got an injured player and all of a sudden your whole outlook's a little different than it was. And I guess that's a good segue for, I think, the big news besides the season opener. The big news in the NFL since we last spoke, Stephen, is the Vikings sending a first and a fourth round, conditional fourth round pick to the Eagles for Sam Bradford. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a hefty price for old Sam. And listen, it's funny because this happened right after our podcast last week, and I just given uh, Sam Bradford some props because I thought that you know under the radar he'd had a pretty good preseason. Yeah. Not many people have been hyping him up, of course, because uh, I think people are just people learn that point. lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know they kind of uh, learn their lesson there, but uh, I really thought he played well in the preseason. So um, for a bunch of different reasons, like I, 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 I was kind of surprised that the Eagles would do it. Uh, especially since their their number two pick in the draft, Wentz had been hurt and yeah. out. Turns out he's going to be starting this week as well. Um, and, and then from the Viking standpoint, man, that is a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to give up for a team that normally doesn't really do that. You yeah. know, they, they, here lately it seems like they they haven't really you know mortgaged the future to win right now. And, and let's be clear that that's what this move speaks. Oh yeah. To. Um, uh, because for right now, it doesn't seem like Teddy Bridgewater's injury is a career ender. So you're giving up a first and a fourth and maybe a third that might turn into a third, uh, for a guy who, if, if everything works out well, will only be a quarterback for a year Yeah, and maybe not the whole season. Like he probably, he might not start this, this week Yeah, because, you know, who knows if he actually can assimilate the playbook that fast, but yeah. Um, you know, for one year, you're going all in with this guy. Uh, you almost have to at least get to the NFC championship to come close to justifying giving that much up for a guy who's only going to be your starter for one year. So, yeah. um, look, that that's above and beyond even talking about whether I think Sam Bradford is the right guy to give up that much for. Because, like you said, we've all kind of seen this before, right? You get excited <laughs> about Sam Bradford, Bradford and then something goes wrong. Yeah. And I, I've seen people say, well, you know, this is the most talent he, he's had around him since he's been in the league. And, and that might be true, but let me just tell you something. That offensive line is not fixed. No. Okay. Uh, uh, they brought in a couple more players, uh, Andre Smith and, and the guard from uh, the 49ers, Boone. Uh, uh, Alex Boone. But you don't fix that kind of thing overnight. We, uh-uh. we still don't know about Khalil. He looked a little bit better in preseason, but things tend to t- revert back to the mean once it comes to the regular season yeah. and, and teams start uh, uh, game planning you and stuff. And we know what happens, you know, when, when Sam Bradford is under, under pressure. Yeah. Uh, it's not that he doesn't have any skill. One, he doesn't play very well. And two, he tends to get injured. That, that that's just what we can say from how his career has gone so far. So look, he what what if he gets hurt? <laughs> like literally, what if he gets hurt sometime before the middle of the season? Which is very and possible. Very possible, with all things considered. I mean, that is a lot to give up for a dude that's had as many serious injuries as he has. Yeah, and 
has not played particularly you know awesome when he has been healthy. Yeah. So I just, look. <laughs> I was telling you before we we, we started the podcast. Uh, you, you know, uh, Wade Phillips tweeted this out, <laughs> tweeted out yeah. about the trade before anybody else knew anything. Right? Uh, he, he said uh, Sam Bradford to to the Vikings. I thought he'd been Uncle Chaps. Like I, I, I literally was about to <laughs> was trying to clown Wade Phillips. I did a retweet and all that. Oh, he must have got Uncle Chaps. <laughs> it turned out the joke was on me. Like that, that's that's. Look, it, obviously he thought it was a little absurd too because he put like some exclamation points behind it. <laughs> but it's just it's it's a little bit. I think from both sides, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I understand that. The Vikings only have Adrian Peterson for you know a couple more years at best. Yeah, I understand that their defense is already outstanding, but man, you pushing all your chips into the table for Sam Bradford. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I you know, and the, one of the things that came to mind is sort of after the initial sort of holy shit war <laughs> on Saturday because this was Saturday, like this happened Saturday, which is you know. Which was a busy day anyway, because like that was the deadline for the fifty-three man roster. So teams were cutting players left and right anyway. Right. And so like, and then this happens in the morning. And so, but the thing that kind of popped into my head was the, you know, Norv. I've heard Norv Turner talk about Bradford before, going back to sort of you know, all the way back to twenty ten and stuff, when Bradford was initially dra- coming out and drafted first overall by the Rams at that point, but. Yeah, you know, and I guess there's sort of an intriguing fit with Norv Turner's offense and what Bradford can do. But, like, the funny that that also was sort of reminding me, it's like that's sort of been the frustrating thing about Bradford over the course of his career besides the injuries and stuff was like, you know, here's a guy that was supposed to be like, man, he he doesn't have maybe a howitzer for an arm, but he's got a pretty decent sized cannon and it can kind of, he can really, man, he can really make those plays down the field. And he's never done that well in the NFL. Never. Which is so strange. And now we'll see what the Minnesota offense looks like with Sam Bradford under center there and what they do. But it's just like, I, I, how many, like, how, how does this keep happening? <laughs> he has the greatest agents ever known to man. That's all I can think of. Because, look, <laughs> but, but again, I don't understand it from the Eagles perspective either because i just don't see why they feel like they need to rush and throw carson winston out out there right away like yeah my thing on that is uh, i don't have any problem with rookie quarterbacks who are ready to start as rookies right but he's been hurt almost all of preseason he got hurt like the first preseason game hasn't been in in any other preseason games didn't look particularly great in that particular preseason game before he got hurt. No. And the play he got hurt on, I think, was the play where he threw the interception. Yeah. So how did he earn this? Like, there's so many layers to this. First of all, um, they they already had, even if you're going to trade away Sam Bradford, you brought in Chase Daniels and paid him, you know, I'm pretty sure he got more money than RG3, who's starting this week. So you're paying him maybe not top dollar, but starter money, starting quarterback money. Yeah. I don't think he plays so poorly that you feel like he just can't be at least start the season off as your quarterback. And he was at least out there playing all the time. Yeah. 
and, and Carson Wentz, I mean, what happens if that kid goes out there and is just, you know, just shocked? Like if he's in shock, yeah. because that's what happens. The everything speeds up. We always talk about this. The speed of the game is so much different on every level. It's the same way when you go from high school to college, and it's the same way when it goes from college to pros. And that's one of the things that I I, I praised about Dak Prescott above and beyond his actual throws and running the football and all that was that he just showed that he had that type of poise where the moment wasn't too big for him. Like the pressure was coming on. He's not, you know, looking at, at, at the rushers. He He's still looking downfield. He's still patient. He doesn't look antsy in the pocket. Yeah. But most quarterbacks don't have that as rookies. They have to learn that over time. And, and usually it, it takes a few preseason games. That's, a large reason why Jared Goff isn't starting right away, right? Like yeah. he looked great in 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 the practices and stuff, and and if you watch uh, 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 Hard Knocks, you could tell that the coaches really wanted him to be the starter, and would kind of would like just be slobbering all over some of the plays he would make in practice. But then when the lights came on, a little bit different story, yeah. right? And so they're doing a the smart thing, and they're bringing him along slowly. And I think he will benefit from that. You know, imagine me praising the Rams for doing something right. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I do think that's the way to approach it. I don't understand the rush to throw Wentz out there either. It, it, it could just because if Wentz doesn't work out, you've now set your your, your franchise back for years and yeah. years, right? It, it just. It, 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 he has to work out the number two pick in the draft. You, 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 I don't get it. You yeah. know, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. Look, I'm not saying that he can't go out there and set the world on fire. There's every chance of that. But that's about like a coin flip right now because you haven't seen him do this. He hasn't yeah. been in preseason games since the first one. He hasn't really even been able to practice until here lately. And now you just totally skip over uh, 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 Chase Daniel. And, and and the other guys on the team are also going to be like, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Like, seriously, if he goes out there and sucks an egg, other guys on the team will be like, why isn't Chase Daniel playing? Because yeah. they've seen Chase Daniel in preseason games. They've seen him practice the whole preseason. Well, and Peterson's they know coached him do. a lot in Kansas City before, too. Absolutely. And, and we already know that Chase, Chase Daniel isn't happy about the situation. No. And who, how could he be? So, uh, you know, you're out there every day busting your ass. This dude is over in rehab, and somehow, some way, <laughs> they chose him over you. Uh, number two pick in the draft, be damn. I just don't think that's the way you're supposed to operate this thing. Yeah. Like, work him in there or something. But, look, and, 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 and look, plenty of us already had a lot of question marks about Wentz when he came out anyway. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I just, for both teams, uh, as just as it happens, I know a lot of teams, a lot of people have been uh, killing the Vikings for trading for Sam Bradford. But I, I, look, I'm telling you, this has a lot of potential to blow up in the Eagles' face as well. If Winch, especially what if he goes out there, you, you hurt your ribs, man. It's real easy to hurt them ribs again. Oh he yeah, had on jacket when he got them hurt the first time, or gets hurt worse. Right. So what happens if he goes out there and, and, and look? They are fortunate that they're playing the Browns this week. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I said on Twitter the other day that I probably couldn't name four starters 
on the Browns defense. And I was being very optimistic there. Like, it turns out I can only name really one. I went back and, and double-checked and looked at their, their starters. They only have, like, two starters from last year returning. And one of them is Joe Hayden, who only played five games. Yeah. Bitch, I bet you can't name the other one. <laughs> you know what? I was just going to our lads because damned if I could. I mean, I started to say, like, oh, Desmond Howe. Nope, he's injured. And then let's, you know. Paul Kruger, no, nope, they traded him. Anybody out there who's not a Browns fan, and maybe even some Browns fans that, that listen <laughs> to this podcast, I guarantee you, you can't name anybody other than Joe Hayden who's coming back <laughs> as a starter from last year. <laughs> I, look, I, I do this for a living. And I was like, what? <laughs> I looked at these dudes on our last, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, maybe you could name Emmanuel Ogba just because he's a rookie and he started the yeah. whole preseason. Right. But but I'm talking about returning starters, ter- starters from last year. Who's the one guy who's the holdover other than Joe Hayden? It's I, I, look, I hold my breath because <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. You ain't going to be able to do it. So there's a chance with this no defense that maybe Carson looks great. Right? Uh, yeah. It, uh, maybe not, because I got a feeling that. Look, when you don't have a lot of talent, there's a couple ways to go about it. Either you're going to try to die slow or, uh, or, or potentially die fast. Either you're going to kind of be uh, very conservative with your calls or you're just going to come after him. I think Ray Horton is going to do the latter. Yeah. I think you're going to see him, especially it's a, it's a rookie quarterback in a way. I think he's going to send everything but the kitchen sink after, after uh, Carson Wentz this week. And so it really could go bad for him. Yeah. It really so, no, and why wouldn't you, man? Shit. I mean, if that's what you've got to work with, then you better do it. Listen, and you know it's a copycat league. If they throw a whole bunch of blisters at Winston, he can't handle them, then imagine a team that actually has more talent. Oh, where, yeah. I'm not saying that they're not talented, but they're young and inexperienced. But but a team that, that that's more experienced, to have guys that's been there before, that know how to really hide those blisters and stuff, it's a copycat league, man. He's going to see it until he's actually able to, oh, yeah. to perform against it. And, yeah. and, and one more thing, we were talking about, when we were talking about Sam Bradford last week, the thing that we talked about was what? Their receivers haven't really been playing all that well either, which is mm-hmm. why they traded for Doyle Green Beckham. So now you got a guy who's young and, and maybe not ready, and he's going to be throwing to receivers who are not all that great no. so far. At least Al Galore still is pretty much a disappointment. So you got a lot of ingredients for this to go very badly. Yeah. In Philadelphia as well. And even if they they manage to win against the Browns this week, I bet you're going to see him struggle a little bit in this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 crazy. I, I was really. I mean, I, I think it maybe is one of the more stunning side of the trade. Like you said, I mean, I'm not surprised that the Vikings got desperate and pulled the trigger on Bradford. But like you say, I think the that's been the one the thing that everybody's really focused on. But the Philadelphia, the fallout in Philadelphia is just as, is maybe even more so. Yeah, because look, you throw uh, you throw Chase Daniel out there, and he falters then everybody's going to cheer when you put Wentz in for him, right? Yeah. You throw Wentz in there, and he's terrible. If you have to turn to Chase Daniel, ooh, ooh, 
That is not going to be a pretty scene in Philly. No way. No, and they have a they they had a week four by. They have a week four by this year. So they really they had to kind of they had three games to they could go with Treadwater with Chase Daniel and see what they have and see if that's going to work. I mean, you know, I know you you from a coach front office standpoint, you can't necessarily go into it with the standpoint of well, this just isn't going to be our year. So let's see what happens. But it's. It's, uh, you know, it's just insanity. It's like you've got Wentz as the guy that's going to be, and I think Roseman's even said that. Like, Wentz is the guy that we envision not necessarily this year taking us to the promised land, but years down the road. And, like, all of a sudden you're going to throw him to the Wolves right off the bat, tell him to sink or swim. You know, you, I mean, look at what happens to rookie quarterbacks when they start too soon. You eat all those bad habits they develop. I mean, there's the – it's – the NFL's littered with quarterbacks that probably would have been fine had they not started so damn soon in their careers. Uh, it, man, I, the list is long. The list is long, and it, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why? I, I don't get it. Again, if he had played the whole preseason and at least looked competent, yeah. I would totally understand. But having lost as much time as he did to that injured. So you're coming in with a quarterback that every team knows was injured in the preseason in a place where he could re-injure himself <laughs> in those ribs, especially if you send a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's a guy from a, uh, 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 who wasn't in a power five conference, who was in a lower division of football. It's just, look, somebody was saying to me the other day, oh, well, uh, they're going to try to do it like the Ravens did with uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what's <laughs> what's the name of uh, uh, Flacco. I, I can't believe I can't believe I'm blanking on this as much as uh, we <laughs> actually with Joe Flacco, and I'm like, please do not. I I, I love that Jim Schwartz has come in with the Eagles, and I, I like the things that he's going to do with that defense, specifically the defensive line. Yeah, but please do not compare them to those Ravens, that <laughs> Ravens defense, because that's a totally different situation. I mean, Wentz is going to be called on to do a lot more than Flacco had to do early on. It, that's just, that's a God's honest truth. And <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll see if he's up to that. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough. And I don't know how they have either. No, it's, uh, it's, it's stupefying. And the only word I can think of to come up with it. You're throwing out the big words today, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's all I got left. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. It takes it takes so much to get to this point of the year. Woo. Um. All right. So, I, I mean, I just don't know what else. I mean, what else there is to say? I, I still, I, th- I still think the Vikings will be okay because they have the other parts in place. I mean, we know that their defense is gonna be good. I really like Mike Zimmer. I'm, I mean, I think he's a, sort of the one of the favorite coaches of this podcast at any rate, but I I like what he's capable of doing. I like the way he leads that team. Minnesota has really good special teams, really good defense. You've got Adrian Peterson. They upgraded their offensive weapons. I mean, theoretically Bradford doesn't have to do a lot, but I'm, you know, folks that have listened before know my feelings on Sam Bradford too, but it's, I still think they're a good team. I just, you know, like I said earlier, I can't really put them in that upper echelon anymore. Yeah. Right. And apologies to Mike Mayock, but I really like Teddy Bridgewater, and I think he was a damn good quarterback. 
You know, and 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 I thought that without having Teddy, they were going to be bad enough for, for people to really appreciate uh, what Teddy actually brought to yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and I'm not so sure that's not still the case. Oh, Even yeah, with, with so. Sam Bradford there, I just – because, the, like I said, the thing is, now, when Bradford came out, he was actually the total package. He was very uh, uh, athletic and everything, yeah. too. But after those the, the knee injuries and stuff, he, he is not the same kind of uh, uh, elusive as a guy like Bridgewater is. No. And so a lot of those plays that Teddy could make, not running down the field, but just avoiding the pressure from the, because of that terrible offensive line. Yeah. Now you're going to have, like I said, you're going to have uh, Bradford sitting in there and he's not good under pressure and he's going to take a beating. <laughs> Oh yeah. So uh, I still think that there, there's a good chance that people are going to come away from this season like, yeah, you know what? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is a lot better than I thought. Yeah. So because <laughs> I, I really thought they had a chance to at least make the NFC Championship game this year. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's funny, like I, you know, as as coaches go, I, I don't think the wisdom of Mike Malarkey is at the top of anyone's, you know essentials list but it's funny he said yes someone was tweeting out quotes from his press conference and uh he said well we're gonna we you know we view sam bradford and sean hill the same so we'll just we're just gonna prepare the same way i'm like damn words of wisdom from mike malarkey right and he wasn't even trying to throw <laughs> no shade, but there was undoubtedly some shade right there like really uh you know and i'm i'm you know just honestly Sam Bradford, when he's healthy, is a much better quarterback than Sean Hill. But it does say something when the coach is like, yeah, you know what? There's not that much difference where we just need to change the game yeah. plan or anything. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they must, whatever it is, they must be damn sure that Adrian Peterson at 31 years old is is still a guy that's capable of looking like Adrian Peterson at 27 years old, you know? He better. Yeah. He better, because otherwise, I mean, what are you going to do? It's I, all I, on it, him now, man. It, it, it's got to be. It's got to especially just until Bradford can even, like I said, assimilate the playbook. It's going to take him a while to, to feel comfortable with all these plays and get the Philly plays out of his head. Yeah. So he's got to do two things. It, 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 that's not the easiest thing in the world to do to, to – to not only learn something new, but also unlearn some other stuff. Yeah. Because uh, you hear quarterbacks talk about that all the time. Or, or I, I heard, uh, uh, um, like, I, I can't remember who said it, but, that, like, they had a quarterback come in, and they were calling the plays from, like, the team they had just come from. Yeah. And everybody kept like, what? No, that ain't the right play. <laughs> you know? And so, um, but even if they don't say it out loud, just in their head, you know, they might – there's it, it, it's hard to to block this stuff out that you've been working on all all season, and then just replace it with the stuff you learned just this week. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I mean, well, and uh, that seems like why they're even sort of there's the there very strong possibility that they're going to start Sean Hill this week. I think they will. I, I think they, I know most people say, well, you can't because you gave up all the stuff. Well, yeah, just in a practical to. sense, you might have to just for the offense to be able to function correctly. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not. That's not a knock on Sam Bradford. No, or not at all. That's just the reality of the situation, man. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have any offseason. Yeah. No. I mean, if, he if, literally has a week to prepare. Three practices. <laughs> and, know? Look, not just look. Learn the playbook. Get some kind of chemistry with your, with your uh, your 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 skill players, and 
learner protections. Yeah. That's a lot to do, man. And, and at the same time, away from the field, you're having to move and stuff. You, have, you know, the real life is, is intervening, too. Whereas, you know, we always talk about the quarterbacks. You come in early and stay late. Well, <laughs> yeah. he, it, it, just the reality of the situation, he can't really do that because he has off the field, unless he's living in his car right now. Oh, yeah. He's got to do stuff like find somewhere to live, you know, <laughs> find somewhere where to eat, learn about the city, all this stuff that yeah. normally you would be doing over the course of months during the offseason, he has to cramp all of that stuff into this week. And so, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't start. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's probably advisable that he doesn't. No, yeah, I think they'll they have a better chance of winning. And like, I mean, obviously, I mean, I haven't seen the line if they're I mean, I think with Bridgewater they would have been pretty heavy favorites over Tennessee, but you know, they probably still are favored just when you consider everything else, but you know, you can't take that for granted. I mean, and that, that could go out the window real fucking quick when you have a quarterback who's had three days to learn the playbook. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's pretty much an untenable situation. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I I don't think there's enough hours in a day for him to, to get ready. And, and, you know, there's some truth when you say there are more games lost in the NFL than I won. Yeah. And so, especially with the way this team is built in the first place, the strong running game, uh, you know, possession football, you know, not the, necessarily the big plays all the time, just moving the chains. Yeah. And the outstanding defense and outstanding special teams. This team is built on keeping it close and not making big mistakes. Yep. And it's, it, to me, even if Sean Hill isn't the better quarterback, he allows you to avoid the big mistake this week a little yeah. bit more than a guy who just came there on Saturday can. Yeah. Well, and like, and you know, if you're a team that's traded a first and fourth round pick for a quarterback a week before the season starts, you can't afford to you can't afford to screw up a game against Tennessee in the season opener because that's the kind of stuff that's going to have ramifications in January. You can't afford that, and you can't you definitely can't throw him out there too early, and all of a sudden he gets hurt. Yeah. Exactly. Look, we know Tennessee, going back to last year, one of the teams that I based my prediction of the Broncos beating uh, the Panthers in the Super Bowl was the Titans because the Titans blitzed so much and it was very effective. Yeah. Okay, they run at 3-4, uh, uh, which is something that the Vikings don't see every day in practice. They go against a 4-3 defense. They're going to blitz a lot. They got uh, a, a bunch of talent up front to get pressure you make one protection mistake this week, and that might be all she wrote. Yeah. So, again, uh, th- there's a lot of reasons. To me, there's more reasons. Unless, you know, Sam Bradford just is, is, is some kind of mutant or something, and he can just do all this stuff in one week with no problem. There's a lot of reasons to not start him this week. Yeah. But we'll see. I actually picked the Titans, uh, which, again, made me feel very weird. But I just I, I don't see <laughs> – how um, the Vikings can be ready because at the same time, like <laughs> here's the catch 22 you're in. You're trying to get Sam Bradford ready, but every rep he gets is a rep that Sean Hill doesn't get. Yeah. So the more you try to prepare Sam Bradford, the less you're preparing Sean Hill for the game this week. So if Bradford then can't start, now you got to start, a Sean Hill who didn't get, you know, most of these starting quarterbacks these days get almost all of the, the reps 
during the, during game week. And even if they just split them 50-50, that's 50% of the reps that Sean Hill hasn't gotten this, this week. Yeah, exactly. Getting ready for this Titans team. And again, they're going against a 3-4, something different than you used to. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I, at least for this week, man, I, I think uh, you're going to be on a little bit of shaky ground. And that's above and beyond the quarterback position. Yeah, exactly. And the first week of the season is always weird anyway. You know, just it's just you can't help it. Yeah, you just don't know. No. Well, it'll be interesting nonetheless. It's uh, That's one trade. Two has made for two pretty interesting games that could have some long-term repercussions down the road. So, again, not your typical week one. Lots lots to see this week. Lots of action to see this week. Um, okay, let's go. Let's jump to the NFC South because that's where the other big piece of news is this week. Um, and so we might as well start with that. But, uh... The Saints finally, after who knows what, well, I mean, I think we have an idea what the whole, <laughs> it was an inheritance fight. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, they finally got sort of a con- on a contract extension with Drew Brees, which this is the weird part for me, Stephen. This is the wacky world of NFL contracts, but it's a five-year deal, but it's really only a two-year deal. And it spreads out. It gives him more money and spreads it out so his cat he doesn't have that thirty million dollar cap hit now. Which great, you reduced his cap hit for twenty seventeen. But you know, other than potential injury replacements throughout the season, you know, what do you need <laughs> that eighteen million dollars of cap space for that you really could have used in March? But hey, you know, I'm not the general manager of the New Orleans Saints, so until they ask me, that's I guess that's just my opinion. But no, that seems weird. And I, like, I'm glad for Breeze because like he wanted to stay in New Orleans and this kind of sort of maybe takes him close to the end of his career with the Saints. But like it still doesn't necessarily put the Saints in a great spot to do all the other things they need to do to build a winning team to make a run at it with Breeze. Right. And, and, and it goes back to what you said. Had they done this in March then you had the opportunity to bring in more talent, right? But yeah. you did. And so now you, you're stuck with who you got. And, and look, Drew Brees is always going to give you a chance to win. Yeah. That, that's one of my, that was one of my arguments for going ahead and getting this done in the first place. Yeah. Because, you know, I saw some stat the other day before he signed this new deal. Like, he's the only quarterback that's thrown for like over 50, I'm sorry, 5,000 yards in multiple seasons or something crazy like that. Um, And and so now some of it is a product product of them being behind so much uh, where you have to throw the football, Yeah, but he's always going to give you a chance to win. But when you don't have the money to spend on the other side of the football and then your defense was historically bad last season, well, it's just, it's a little bit too little too late in, in my opinion. At this point, if you waited out this long, why not just go ahead with it? Yeah. I mean, you you don't wait it so long that you don't actually get to see any benefit from this extension until maybe the spring when, once again, free agency rolls around. Yeah. But for this season, you really don't see any benefit from it. Hell, let them play it out. Uh, So, look, and you're once again pushing a cap hit 
into the future when yeah. those years do void. Well, and so that's it's the like, weird it, thing. It's like there's an eight that third year of this or 2018, you've got $18 million in dead money on the cap. It's like they didn't learn anything. No. I, I guess 18 is better than better you know, whatever 30. the cap it was <laughs> this year, 30 or whatever. But still, man, look, why don't you just go with the, the, the Band-Aid theory, rip it off, you know, let this be its last year, and, 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 and go from there. Yeah. Because at some point, if, if you're only going to be able to have a team, a team surrounding this quarterback who can – keep you just competitive enough to be just outside of the playoffs, yeah. then what's the point? Yeah. Then what's the point? If you have, if keeping Breeze means you're never going to be able to put enough talent around him, specifically on defense, to where they can do more than just either be right outside of the playoffs or maybe barely inch in to the playoffs and get beat in the first round, I, I just don't know what the point is at this, at, at, at this time. But – you know, it's one of those things. Him and Sean Payton have, have kind of been joined at the hip. Yeah. Uh, you notice they cut uh, the guy who I, who was supposedly going to be his replacement. Uh, Garrett Grayson. Gray, Garrett Grayson the other day. Yeah. So the other question is, hell, who is the heir apparent? Like, how have you gone this long with a quarterback this old? And, and you know, at least Denver had Osweiler, who they thought was going to be the quarterback of the future, and he just ended up signing somewhere else. Yeah. But how, what kind of cap mismanagement, what kind of just mismanagement period, period of a team is it that you don't have somebody waiting? I mean, Luke fucking McCown? Come on now. Yeah, he's That's 35 too, man. Right. This is going to lead you after, after Breeze is out of here? Uh, I, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, and so, like uh, you think how bad they were seven and nine last season, and that was probably a gift from above, just because of Drew Brees' arm, you know. Absolutely, they they def- and look at the end of the season, they beat the Bucks after I believe after the Bucks uh, middle linebacker, the young middle linebacker, got suspended. And I don't think they win that game if he played. Yeah. So uh, and that, that came down to Brees at the end of the game, leading them down. And winning with like a touchdown or a field goal or something, as I recall. Yeah. So it, it came down to breeze. But you're not going to beat good teams that way. You're definitely not going to overtake the Carolina Panthers with this roster. No. It's just not going to happen. No, so, exactly. And you're essentially banking on an upset every week <laughs> and in the playoffs. Every week you, you're hoping for a shootout. That, that's, just, that's just not the way to go about it, you would think. Yeah. Now, I, I, it, it boggles the mind, and I mean, I know, obviously, you had the situation with ownership and Tom Benson, the owner, and his kids, and Tom Benson's, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, more recent wife all kind of fighting over the assets, and, and we still may see that go to court, by the way, which is, could could get real interesting when the court makes the Saints, might make the Saints open the books after all, and they rejected oh, the settlement. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, really? yeah, well, like... Remember, they they were going to force him to open the books, and, man, they sprinted to make that settlement. Right. But the judge threw it out. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's tentatively straight slated to go. Now, they could work out some other settlement still, but it's tentatively slated to go to trial this fall. May I think in October. I'm telling you right now, Roger Goodell is sweating his ass oh, off right now. Hell yeah. They, they got to find a way for, for that to get taken care of. Oh, hell I yeah. promise you, 
they're, they're not going to let those books get open under any circumstances. Oh, no. Because, I mean, she'll get the ugly. From yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, Elena sent me the league the other day. And just like, it's a, whew, yeah, that'll get interesting real fast. That'll be the most interesting thing about the Saints season. <laughs> really, really. It really will. <laughs> Yeah, that just, it's mind boggling. But I I guess the Panthers, I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. They're sort of the team to beat in this division. Yeah, hands down. I mean, we talked a little bit about them at the start of the show because they're playing tonight, obviously, in the season opener. But it's, uh, it will be tough for any of these teams. Let me ask you, since you obviously are, a, a, a Bucks fan follow the Bucks pretty closely. How are they? How much better are they this year? Well, the, they did what they had to do as far as addressing the defense, uh, and that's kind of what what I said last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent the first two years under Lovey fixing quote unquote fixing the offense. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of uh, free agent signings that just didn't pan out, but through the draft or what have you, uh, you know, they get Mike Evans and and, and uh, uh, tight end, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins one year, and then you get Jameis uh, last year, uh, and, and you get the left tackle last year, Donovan Smith. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of focused the draft on the offense. I figured they were going to focus the, the, the draft on defense this year. They did. Uh, they go out there and get Vernon Hargreaves, who played outstanding this preseason, mm-hmm. and they go get uh, 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 Noah Spence. So uh, they changed coaches. And they brought in Mike Smith, who I don't really trust Mike Smith. <laughs> but just from a talent standpoint, they went out and got Robert Ayers to uh, uh, in free agency, as well as yeah. uh, underrated signing, Daryl Smith. I think he's actually going to pay dividends for them as well, the long-time middle linebacker for uh, the Ravens after uh, uh, Ray Lewis retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got Brent Grimes as well. They, they got Brent Grimes in free agency as well, and he's a starter. So they got like, you know, four or five new starters on defense and while retaining pretty much everybody on offense. Yeah. So just on paper, you almost have to be better than, than they were last year because they have better talent. Yeah. uh, On, on, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And you would think that with another year, James is going to take a step forward and he's looked pretty good in the preseason as well for the most part. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, one of the things you have to look for is this. It's, it's the second year uh, with Dirk Carter. He, he's the head coach now, but you know he's going to be pretty much the offense coordinator as well. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those things that he did to kind of uh, help Jameis last year, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do this year and get away with it. They used an extra offensive tackle as a tight end a ton last year. Yeah. And it helped with both the running game and the play action game. Um, That's, you know, why Jameis, while they didn't have a great offensive line, a lot of times Jameis had plenty of time to throw the football because they would go play action with that extra tight end in. And not only did that help with the protection, but also it forced the other team to be in a personnel that's not necessarily a good, you know, pass rushing or pass coverage personnel. Yeah. they, They would have to keep another linebacker in instead of, uh, putting in their nickel and all that. Um, but after a year of that, I think uh, teams may have kind of gotten gotten a, a look at that and, and see how they can attack that. Especially, like I say, at the end of last year, 
I, I said I kept saying this, people didn't necessarily notice. Jameis hit the rookie wall late, but he hit it. Yeah. Pretty much head on the last three or four games of, of last season. Everybody was able to throw on the Saints except for the Bucks last year. Yeah. For some reason, right? So uh, you know, it, that may have been a harbinger of things to come if teams have kind of figured them out or figured Dirk Carter out in that system. It mm-hmm. just kind of remains to be seen because once again, they're, they're not really game planning for you in, in the preseason. But one thing that did come through in the preseason a little bit was the offense still started slow a couple of those games. Mm-hmm. And so um, those are two things you want to look for. I think this team, like I said, I, I don't think they can help but be better this season. Mm-hmm. But uh, on offense, you got to look and see if teams have kind of figured out Carter and, and, and look to see if the offense can get off to faster starts. And defensively, is going to come down to youth. Like Vernon Hargreaves is very impressive so far, but he's going to make rookie mistakes. So is Noah Spence. Yeah. Um, uh, we know that that Brent Grimes makes a lot of plays on the ball, but he's undersized. Yeah. So he's going to give up plays as well. And maybe the most underrated part of the season will be looking to see what Brent Grimes' wife has to say, <laughs> you know, after certain games, if they, you know, if they're not playing well or if he gets <laughs> a little bit of, of criticism during the season. So well, especially um, with the reunion with Mike Smith, because when Grimes was in Atlanta and Mike Smith was the coach there. I know that there was that uh, the, the strained relationship, to put it nicely, with Miko Grimes at times. Yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> and look, she is not; she still is not holding back uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> no, so, she's uh, not. She was, she was talking shit. Uh, he gave up a uh, Brent gave up a, a touchdown against the Browns, and evidently she was calling people out who were blaming him on their play after that. So. Uh, she's 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 gonna be who she is, and mm-hmm. and I I would think the Bucks knew that going into signing Brent Grimes, but yeah, that's that's part of it that you, you can't uh, kind of uh, forget either because she's had a history of calling out his teammates at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. So uh, you, you gotta that kind of stuff can be a little divisive, I would think. <laughs> If she calls out somebody else on the team, that that's probably not going to be a good thing. But but overall, like I said, I think that um, it's reasonable to expect this team to have a better record. Um, it's just a matter of how much better. Yeah. If if Lovey was there, um, my my metric is this: if Lovey was still there, we would be expecting the playoffs, right? Yeah. It's been his third year, and that's usually the year where you you. you either extend the coach or you cut bait or what have you. Um, and they still had the offense coordinator still have pretty much the whole, almost the whole offensive staff there brought in, uh, you know, a, a coach for defense that Dirk Cotter is very, very familiar with. He was, Dirk Cotter was his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So basically they flip flopped from, from Atlanta to here. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it, you want to have those expectations Pretty much stayed the same. They did everything that Lovey probably would have done. They yeah. addressed the defense in the offseason. So um, you you want their standard to be somewhat the same. Maybe they won't make the playoffs this year, but you would expect they would at least kind of you know be in contention by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Because you do you do have Jameis, you do have Mike Evans, and you do have Doug Martin in the backfield who had his career year last year yeah. and is looking to build on that. Yeah. 
It'll be interesting because I guess then the, that the other team in the NFC South is also sort of you expect improve in that same situation. You expect improvements from you don't necessarily expect you know a jump to nine or ten wins or anything like that. But uh, the Falcons are in sort of an interesting situation. Like you know, defensively was where they were really hamstrung. Well. I guess both sides of the ball last year. They shouldn't be as hamstrung as they were on the offense, but cough, cough, Kyle Shanahan. So who knows? <laughs> hey, that's a big cough, actually. Yeah, like, and I Kyle mean, Shanahan is just terrible. I'm just not even going to sugarcoat it. He's fucking awful. Yeah, so, and you know, it's it's going to be great for Julio Jones's stats, but I'm right. not sure that they're going to put up any more points than they. You know, well, I'm not even sure if it's going to be good for his stats because it's probably they're probably going to take a little bit of a hit. He's going to catch a whole bunch of balls, but yeah. his per per catch average is probably going to go down because half of them are going to be like little short passes and shit. Yeah, uh, stuff that normally wouldn't throw uh, for a guy of his size and speed and, and caliber. But um, but you know, it, look, uh, they have a lot of talent, uh, and, and it's interesting because the Bucks and, and the Falcons start off. On Sunday, you know, they, they uh, the Bucks travel to Atlanta to play, and they're both trying to be the number two team in, in this conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they would tell you they want to be number one, but like I said, just unless Cam Newton goes down or they have, you know, even Luke Keekley got hurt for those games last year, and they still won. Yeah. But, you know, unless Cam Newton gets hurt, I just don't see it. Um, but these are two teams that's, that's trying to be upstarts, and you, you got that in the background of, you know they're playing and 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 they're playing against the the head coach you fired, who's now in Tampa, and his offense coordinator that you fired a couple of years ago. Yeah, and he's the head coach now in Tampa. So it's, you know there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes intrigue and I'm sure tension going on with this game on Sunday because look, it's been, it feels like it was like a couple years ago now, but but. Don't forget, you know, they got off to that hot, hot start last season. Yeah, like that's right. Five and oh, six and oh, or something like that. And, and looking good. And Devonta Freeman was just a revelation. But then he gets nicked up and things kind of started falling apart defensively. They, they didn't look like the same team anymore. And so, uh, uh, you know, you got another one of those Seattle Seahawks coaching tree guys and Dan Quinn. So you would think that, you know, at some point their defense would come around. Yeah. Now they took a hit because, you know, they, they signed Keanu Neal to be like their big time safety, which is what you have to do or yeah. what you have to have to play in that Seattle Seahawks type of defense. And he got hurt in the preseason. Yeah. So he had to, I think he had to have surgery on his knee or something. So he's going to be out for a little while. So their defense isn't quite as strong as they thought it would be, but. You know, they, they they looked at least decent at, at some points uh, in the preseason. Matt Ryan is a proven starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still have some question marks about him in big games. He seems to kind of play down uh, to the competition level in big games. But mm-hmm. he can make all the throws. I think the offensive line is going to be a little bit better this year. I think Jake Math- Matthews is going to uh, continue to improve at left tackle. And... They got Mohamed Sanu yeah. uh, this offseason. I think that's a critical uh, uh, pickup because, you know, they had Roddy White for all those years, but then Roddy kind of fell off. Yeah. You know, he, he, he wasn't quite as explosive anymore. Teams didn't feel like they had to pay him any extra attention anymore. 
And so they could focus almost solely on Julio Jones and shutting him down. Yeah. Now they still had a hard time doing that, <laughs> but you know, that's kind of how, you know, guys like Julio end up getting nicked up. You just so much, uh, 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 he's getting hit all the time. He's getting so much attention paid to him that it's like, you know, he's got to feel like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders every Sunday. Yeah. Now with a guy like Muhammad Sanu, that's going to take a lot of pressure off him, I think. So, uh, you know, and they still have Justin Hardy as well, who I think is a very good, you know, number three wide receiver. Yeah. So, I, but I think really and truly, um, and they drafted Tevin Coleman really to be their, their starting tailback. But after last year, I really think if they can keep Devonta Freeman healthy, that will, you know, have as much as anything to do with how successful they are this year. Yeah. When he was healthy last year to start the season, man, that dude was a handful. Uh, he really was. He runs so hard, but he also has the ability to, you know, bounce it outside and 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 or juke you in the hole. But you know, you just it, it, you don't see many guys like that anymore. Uh, that that are a little bit undersized, but just runs so hard. Yeah. Um, he, he kind of reminds you of Chris Ivory in the style that he runs in, but he's more nifty. He's yeah. more nimble than Chris Ivory. But that kind, same kind of attitude and coming downhill and just not being afraid of contact, which, you know, obviously is kind of detrimental to keeping them healthy all season. <laughs> but if you can, I, I think that that offense will be very potent this year. So um, I think a lot of things is just week one. So you don't want to freak out either way. But I think this matchup, week one with the Bucks, will say a lot about both teams. Yeah. Yeah, it really will. It'll it'll be a it's a it's it's a good way to start the season for both of them, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> 